This morning I want to speak about the benchmark. It's a standard of excellence and achievement against which similar things are measured and similar things are judged. In Matthew chapter 4, with the temptation of Jesus, the devil came and the first temptation was to turn these stones into bread. And so we, we realize that the enemy of our souls will always come to tempt first our appetites. Our appetites are not necessarily the appetites of the stomach. It could be that as well. But he comes to tempt that thing that we are prone to be drawn to. He comes to tempt our proclivities, our desires, our passions. And all of us have different desires in life. But the number one temptation is the temptation of mammon. Mammon can be defined as fame, as financial gain, as wealth. Mammon can be defined as fortune. Fortune is how you are recognized in life or in your society. It's the status that you have. And so many people build their lives on mammon without knowing it. They build their lives on another God because it is this one thing that continually draws them to have more, to be better than the Joneses across the street. But there are other people that are tempted on other deep-rooted desires. Whether it be food, whether it be your status in life, all of it is to try and bring you to a place where you feel that you are your own God, where you have achieved in life, where others have not achieved, where you have done better than your brothers, where you have done better than your sisters. And there is this air of pride that would come upon a person because of the things that they now possess. But there is a standard, there is a benchmark. There is a gauge to which we must measure ourselves with. And in our measuring of ourselves, in our judgment of ourselves, we must allow God, the standard, the standard which is Christ, to measure us at the place where we are. Sometimes we can measure our lives based on our teenage years. That's why you see this. So many 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds trying to be young again. It is, they have missed things when they were young and they would now try to catch up. Some people would be in church all of their lives and they would feel in their older years that they have missed out on the things in the world. And they would try to get back to those things. And they would try to regain the so-called things that were lost. I want you to know today, saints, that when you feel that you have lost things in your youth, and those things have no lasting substance, then you have lost nothing. You are actually chasing a status that were lost that time in the world. Because Liesl has now been so famous in her youth, but no one knew of me, no one knew anything about me. 
It's better that they did not know about you then, so that they might know about you now. And so, the way we gauge our lives, the way we benchmark our lives, the way we see what we have accomplished in life, is not by uh, the standards of the past, but it is about the standards of the eternal. When you have an eternal perspective of your life, when your perspective is not based linear from A to B, but when your perspective is based upon who you are in Him and who He is in you, at the end of the day, it would not matter what you have and what you don't have. At the end of the day, it would not matter to you whether your brother is more prosperous than you or whether your brother lives in a better house in a better community or wherever than you, what would matter to you is how you measure up with the standard of God for your life at that moment in time for you. Because sometimes we can be very hard upon ourselves. We see the end of our lives. We see how we should turn out. We see how we should look. We see the businesses. We see how we employ people. We see how we, out of our abundance, we give to the poor. We see that. But then we look at ourselves at where we are now and we feel inadequate because we are not there yet. I want to encourage the saints today. Have the picture of your glory, but measure yourself with what today brings. And today must be better than yesterday. It does not mean that your better day today does not come with all the challenges in life. No, it does come with challenges. It does come with trials and tests and tribulations. But you as a person must be better than yesterday. You, you should not be necessarily better in possessions, better in wealth, better in things that would pass away. Not necessarily. But you must be better as a person. And so when the enemy, the devil, came to Jesus, the first thing he tempted him was in the area of the flesh. Turn these stones into bread. And it relates to what 1 John 2 verse 15 and 16 speaks about. Those three lusts. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And so if he has entrance to this thing that is so easily uh, drawn away, your flesh, your desires, your passions, your emotions, your sentiments, those feelings, he comes to tempt you there. If he has entrance into that compartment or that part of your life, then it's easier for him to go into the next part of your life which has to do with your vision. Lust of the eye. What is your plan? What is your vision? Sometimes he would say to you, you don't even have a plan. You don't even have a vision. What is the use? And so in our hearts, we build up the strife against God. We build up this contention against God. 
And we say to the Lord, we have given, we have sung the songs, we have prayed, we have gone to church, but where is the miracles? Where is the breakthroughs? You know, when we heard that song about something has to break, I was thinking about the first thing that must break is the pride in our hearts. Before we want things, the first thing that must break is ourselves. Because if we don't break, saints of the Lord, when it comes to the matters of God, if we don't break and we persist in the matters of God, the rock will fall on us to break us. That's why the scripture says, it is better for you to fall on the rock so that you might be broken instead of the rock falling on you because it would be harder if that rock falls on you. And so Jesus answers this temptation with, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The mouth of God in the mind of the Hebrew is the furthest place. You, you hear people say, I want to get to the end of the world. We get to the end of life. We get to the end of the day. We get to the end of a matter. But the furthest place in this life or the life to come is the mouth of God. Because everything starts and ends with what God says. In fact, before God starts a thing, before God inaugurates a matter, He already knows the end. He already has set the boundaries. It's just we see the matter of the end as the end. We don't see the end as the mouth of God. We don't see the end as the speaking of God. It is the Hebrew word pain, the mouth of God. And it has the picture of uh, wings because it speaks about the edge of the wings, the edge of the sail, pain, the mouth. Uh, that's why the mouth has these two layers, the upper lip and the bottom lip. It speaks about the edges of the, those things. And you wonder why God is associated with angels and wings of angels. It's truly that angels do not need wings to fly. It's the representation of the wings. The representation of the wings says that everything ends and starts at the end, at the edge, at the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word that proceeds from the mouth of God is the product of life, of nutrition, of fulfillment for every living creature in the earth. Even for the birds in the air, the fish in the sea, the dogs on your yard. They live by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He upholds all things by the power of his word. It's one thing to know and to hear about how you are going to prosper in the next season. Come on pastor and just preach to me and tell me about my next breakthrough. Tell me about my next promotion, my next opportunity. Tell me about my, my next girlfriend, my new car. Tell me about my new house. 
those things are just elementary things. In fact, God is not impressed with people that annex earthly things, that puts their hands on great lands and houses and cars. But God is impressed with you when you rule over principles. When you seek the mouth of God more than the hand of God. It's like when you say, only speak the word, Lord, and my servant shall be made well. Only the word. It's like when you say, like Mary said, let it be unto me according to your word. It's this desire that you have in your, in your heart that when I go to the house of the Lord, let me hear the eternal sounds. Let me hear ancient words, ancient words, so that my feet might be aligned on the path of righteousness because of the words of life. Church must never be to you, saints, a place where you go to. You are the church. It is the place you become for the inhabitation of God's glory. Because we come to hear the word of God. In the time of Nehemiah, with the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, the people stood for a whole day while the priests read the word, while they read the Torah. They stood for a whole day. No one said I was hungry. No one said I needed to go and plant a vineyard. No one said I've got a sick uh, fowl at home. They stood there because they knew that they have come to the edge. They knew that they have come to the beginning and the end of life. The word of God. Today people get their answers by listening in in attentively to the word of the Lord. Today people's walk in life are being rearranged by giving themselves to the word of God. People are getting healed by, by sitting under the word of God. And they, there is a different sitting and setting when you come under God's word. There is the one that listens, but there is the one that hears. Those who hear subject themselves to that speaking. They subject the flesh. They subject all the lusts and the desires and passions of the flesh to give themselves to the word of the Lord. This is the benchmark. This is the standard. This is the gauge of our lives. We do not gauge our lives by other people. Yes, they could encourage us. They could be a blessing to us. But our lives are gauged by God's word. How shall they hear without a preacher? And that is why there must be this honor that we give to God when the word is being preached. The mouth is a very powerful place. In fact, by just listening to some people speak, you can determine their character. Just put them in a relaxed setting. Just put them in the place where no magnifying glasses are upon them. They are not being scrutinized. They are not being interviewed. Just get them at the bride. Just get them at that setting and let them speak. Then you can determine their character. There are people that speak all the time. They babble. I've been in uh, conversations many times. 
in my mind I would think, why don't you keep quiet? I'm the pastor. Wouldn't you want to hear what the pastor would say? But I would say something, then the other person would say two lines. I would say one line, he would say two lines. It's a babbler. Prata feel. You talk too much. That's why the scripture says we must be quick to hear, but slow to speak. When I'm in the presence of great men, dignitaries, I say nothing. If they asked me to say something, I'd say one, one line. And I would rather let them probe me to say, say more. Or what do you mean when you say that? It is because you have made words, so you've, you bring honor to words. And you know when there's kings in certain settings in life, that you must listen when the king speaks. The, the mouth is a powerful place, saints. There are others that do not speak. There are others whose mouths have been muzzled by hurts, by disappointments, by insecurities, by failures, past failures in life. And it's like the enemy has gagged you. And so I'm bringing balance to this thing that I'm saying, speak and don't speak. Listen, don't always just be quiet and say, no, I'm just quick to hear but slow to speak. But you never speak. You have to know if you are in such a place that you need help. You need deliverance from your insecurities. And I know there are people that are challenged with things like that. You might not be the preacher. You might not be the center of attraction in your speaking. But when you feel that I'll rather say nothing all the time, at all the events, then you need to speak to someone that can help you to deal with the insecurities in your life. Because I feel that it is there where the enemy has bound you up. Because God has placed this beauty in you. God has placed this joy, this attraction on the inside of you, which is, which is connected to his character. The character of God. When we think about him, we think about the mouth we think about wings we think about the speaking of God I think the most profound thing about God is that God said in the beginning eh? Genesis and God said in the end in Revelation he that has an ear let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord said it is the connection between the mouth and the ear when you incline your ear, there's a different way that you hear. But there is an inclining ear. When you hear that way, you bend yourself over. What do you say? What did you say? You, you want clarity concerning the speaking of God. And when you hear things clearly, you will create a picture in your sight, your vision. Your vision of life will change. Your vision about yourself will change. About your wife. Your vision about your husband. Your children. Your pastor. Your church community. Your neighbors. It will change because you hear differently. Let me move on here. So he says it is the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word is our substance. 
our nourishment. It is an exported source that brings life to those who sit in darkness. Because when the word comes, the Bible says, those who sit in darkness has now seen a great light. How did they see the light? Because of the words that were spoken. Amen. In this season, we have to fill our mouths and our hearts with the word of God. Hallelujah, saints of God. Whenever trouble arises, dangers, whenever all kinds of fears, anxieties, trepidations, when all kinds of doubts and uncertainties arises, it must be measured against the word of God. Because the word is the benchmark. The word is the gauge. We judge all things by the word of God. Amen. Are you getting something this morning? There are eternal moments that migrates from the heavens into your venue of time. Eternal moments comes into your environment all the time. Listen to me, saints of God. God does not ration out His goodness. Eternal moments continually migrates into your sphere of influence, your metron. But because they are eternal, because they are supernatural, invisible, the natural eye and the ear and, the, and the, the mouth does not recognize these things. But if you can get to that place where you recognize them, where you see them, and capture them, and declare them, at that moment when they come, things will change for you instantly. You won't have to pray three hours a day because you have heard what heaven said at that moment. Many times we pray and we ask God to provide the things we need. These are good prayers, supplications and prayers. But there is a more effectual place, a more powerful place, where when you hear what heaven says at the moment, and sometimes it might not be about you, it might be about someone else, something else, another place. When you hear it at that moment, when you see the vision, and when you speak it with the mouth, it is that heaven has come down at the place where you stand. And it is impossible to stop such declarations because you have now agreed with heaven. You have now agreed with a higher standard, a higher benchmark. And you as the king and priest of God most high on the earth has now declared it. When it is declared, automatically angels are dispatched and they come to that place. It might be an insignificant place. But at the end of the day, that place where you are will be named in heaven. It's said of Jacob, that when he had that dream of uh, angels ascending and descending, it said of him that he came to a certain place. A certain place has no 
lasting legacy. No one has come to that place yet. But when he left, when he saw what heaven opened, when he heard the sounds of God, when he declared what heaven said, he said, this is nothing else but the house of God. How terrible is the presence of God. When he left there after saying those words, the name of the place was now Bethel. The house of God. From insignificance to significance. Because you have captured the eternal moments in time. And you have declared them at that moment. There is now a confluence of things. There is now a convergence of time and eternity. Right there in your weakness. Right there in your, in your need. Right there when you think that you are forsaken. There is now a meeting. There is now an AGM. And all it needs is a hearing ear. An eye that sees and a mouth that declares what it sees. Amen. Amen. Want you to know, saints, that these things are not just for the elite preachers. These are not just for all the wonderful men of God to say things and they are. It is for the body of Christ. 